toxic, uh, dear, dear listener. Oh, hang on. Dear listener. Oh, oh shit. Trap eyes. The traps. We're the traps. The, you fucking idiots. We're the traps. They're the trapites. I don't like that. Trapezoids. Come trapezoids. <laughs> the trap. Dearest trapezoids. Welcome back to the show that talks about non-Euclidean geometry. <laughs> Dear listener, welcome back to the show that talks about stuff on purpose. That's right. Oh, yes. It's Trapo. And tonight, or today, or tomorrow, whenever you listen to this episode, I don't. Whenever. We don't particularly care. Whenever you listen to this episode, we're going to be discussing a subject that's very near and dear <laughs> to uh, not our hearts, but our, uh, like, the guts. It's something wonderful. It's Frank Zappo. That's right, folks. Don't touch that duck. Why does it hurt when I. Frank Zappa in the canon? Well, by the end of this episode, some Frank Zappa's gonna be in the canon. I don't know. We're gonna, we're gonna be talking about Frank Zappa. It's finally happening. It only took us too long, but it's gonna happen. But before we get to... Oh, by the way, I, I'm Dustin. I forgot. We have to... Yeah, welcome to Trap. I'm Dustin. I'm Kai. And today we're gonna be talking about Frank Zappa. But yeah, anyway, before we get to all that wonderful nonsense, we got a little thing coming up for your enjoyment. We do this thing. We've gotten literally no feedback on it so far, so we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, it's a little thing we call the exchange. We recommend things for you, dear listener, because we, we care about you that much. You don't you don't care about us. We care about you. She you want me to go first? I don't care. All right, I'm doing it. I recently read a book that... Uh... Oh, wait, no, I got to sort this up. I'm sorry. Kai, dear, dear Kai. What have you got for me and for us this week in the Well, I read a book, Gillian Flynn novel called Dark Places. Have you ever read this? I have not read any of Gillian Flynn's work. I just kind of picked this up because it was like a murderous mystery and... Uh... It took place in a small Kansas town. I found a digital version on my library card and I was like, meh, 300 pages. I could read that pretty quick. Basically, most of it is told through the perspective of three characters. Two of them are in the past, in the 80s, during the satanic panic in a small Kansas town. One of the perspectives is from the only surviving family member of a brutal, horrible slaughter. Two children and the mother and one child survive. Two past perspectives and one current perspective. Normally, I'm I'm not really interested in in those kind of uh, crime suspense thriller sort of things as far as books go but this one was pretty interesting to me i would recommend it i kind of like the multi-perspective approach much like life just all kind of fucking ends in a bunch of fucking shit people do what fucking people do shit happens it was interesting i enjoyed it and uh you should check it out apparently there was some sort of a movie adaptation of it at some point i don't know did not dig into it that much yeah you read the book who fucking cares at that point it's what and yeah that is one of the things about that kind of genre of like suspense and thriller even if they make a movie 
ultimately, unless they completely change it, in which case it's not the same. You already know the plot. What do, what do you got for me? You know, I didn't play it this way, but I was going to talk about the book. I was going to talk about books. We're talking about books. It's a book week. It's a book week on tra- in Trap. Welcome Challenge. to Trapo's Book Club. Te- I mean, technically, this is three books. We got a trilogy of books. I don't know uh, if you're familiar with the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer, but uh, nope. that that is in fact what I'm talking about. What I'm recommending to all of you, dear listeners, the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. I came to this backwards several years ago. Alex Garland wrote and directed an adaptation of the first book in the Southern Reach trilogy, Annihilation, and uh, I, I saw that first. I'd never read the book. I thought the movie was amazing. There was a scene in Annihilation. I was not thinking there were like five people. I won't give it away because I don't want to spoil it, but there was a scene when uh, that involves, I want to say, writhing entrails. They were clearly an older man couple. They got up and walked out and never came back. That was too much for them and they were done. We're going to fuck off. We're going to go home. Grab the popcorn, honey. Get the Dr. Pepper. We're not leaving that behind. We're going to get free refills on that. Going to get a refill on the way out. I saw the movie in a theater. I thought it was amazing. And that led me to check out the book, the first book of the trilogy. I came away the first time disappointed, if I'm going to be honest. I was very disappointed in the book there are a lot of elements that uh, were in the film that alex garland apparently just made up because that's not in the book and <laughs> that's the most disappointing part like wait wait no they just took a couple characters and then totally did a different thing the structure of annihilation is intact but there's a lot of stuff along the way alex garland created for the film it makes it work much better as a as a standalone film i can't recommend the film enough the film annihilation is beautiful because i enjoyed the movie so much first time i read the book i came away disappointed it didn't lead me to want to read the second and third chapter in the trilogy they're called annihilation authority and acceptance a few years ago i was at a library book sale i found copies of annihilation authority and acceptance and they're paperbacks they're like 50 cents a piece the trilogy yeah for a buck yeah for a buck for both of them okay fuck it i'll read them in a row i reread annihilation and then read the second and third chapters and something about that that read it all clicked for me they told one great cohesive story I became very enamored with Jeff Vandermeer's prose, the way he decided to tell this story. It's beautiful, it's haunting, it's it's frustrating. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Even if you've seen the first movie, if you read all three of these books, there are a lot of surprises in store. They're available in a lot of formats. They're audiobooks, ebooks. They're all available in paperbacks and hardcover. I think in 2019, they released a, a hardcover collection of all three books. I ended up rebuying all three books in the collection. It's called Area X, the Southern Reach Trilogy. The paperbacks I had were kind of rough. Fuck it. It's, it's sleek. It looks good. I don't want to give anything away. I'm not even going to tell anybody the base premise of Annihilation. Just look it up. It's about weird shit is going down aliens may be involved ultimately it's a story about identity so the southern reach trilogy by jeff vandermeer i love this shit it's great prose great stories cool science fiction i was gonna say what what genre is it and like all the best science fiction it, it asks big questions annihilation authority and acceptance the southern reach trilogy by jeff vandermeer wonderful shit We've had our exchange. We've had our fun. And now it's time for the ghost of Frank Zappa to have his fun. He didn't believe in ghosts. He was an atheist. But uh, anyway, he might be in hell. He might be really disappointed right now. Satan's like, I know. Tell me about it. Anyway, we're talking about Frank Zappa tonight. 
Untrapo. For example, in the in the cannon, the man himself is there. <laughs> we we dug his corpse up. He's in the cannon, and he's carrying his entire collection of music because it's fucking. All, it's basically all in the cannon. He's actually in an unmarked grave. So is he we really? know where, yeah, he's in an unmarked grave. I think it's it in, the, be Holly- Hollywood for, in yeah. the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Yeah. So no one actually knows where he's buried there. We don't want people to know his exact grave. People so. do weird shit. Right. I mean, he made enough weird music. People would do some weird shit on and around in his grave. It would be going down all of the time on Frank Zappa's grave. And he would be really fucking annoyed with all of it. I've been dead since 93. What the fuck? Shit, that was 30 years ago. I don't even know if people know about Frank Zappa anymore. Do they know? All the people I know knew about Zappa were like way older than us. Those are the God. people I knew that knew a lot about Zappa. We're the ones. We're the old people who know about Frank Zappa. <laughs> Shit. There's more salt and pepper in our beards. And we know about Frank Zappa. So I guess it's us now. It's us. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's us. It's up to us to educate the children we're and why fail. we why we <laughs> we're gonna fail miserably because we're gonna talk about a couple of his albums today. Listen, listen, everybody, listen. If you don't know about Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa was a musician. That's right. He made music. He was born in 1940 in Baltimore, Maryland. Like his daddy was an Italian. He was a chemist. He was a very smart man who worked for the Defense Department. I remember hearing stories because of what his dad his dad worked at a place in Maryland where they worked near mustard gas. So they had gas masks stored in their in their family home just in case there was a fucking leak. Living, Makes sense. Yeah, spending your early life knowing that at any time... There were some gas home, masks hanging on the fucking... Yeah, you may have to put on your gas mask. Coat so you Yeah. I had to look this up because I thought I was... I thought I'd imagine this. But when he was young... Frank Zappa's dad would bring home mercury for Frank to play with. Yeah. Lab equipment that was filled with mercury. And Frank Zappa was so enthralled with mercury. Mercury is a wonderful looking medium. Yeah. It, 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 it looks like science fiction in and of I, itself. When I was in college taking chemistry, the chemistry teacher took us into like the the chemicals closet you know it was like a big walk-in kind of space and there's a fucking erlenmeyer flask of mercury a very very large flask of mercury and i went i need to see it jiggle tapped it just enough to make the mercury blue and he was like what are you doing if that shit opens we will have to evacuate this entire school (laughs) and if you dropped it they would have to destroy this building to dig up the soil below it please don't touch the mercury But uh, Frank Zappa, he was playing with that shit. His dad bought him some fucking glass vials with mercury in it. <laughs> One of the things he used to do was pour mercury into pools under like his bedroom floor. He hit those pools of mercury with a hammer so it would splatter everywhere because it looked amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was transfixed enough just because I wanted to see it jiggle, just looking at the crazy reflection, the perfect fucking silver reflection. So I imagine if you were fucking 12, 10, <laughs> your dad would here, play with this shit. And you nope. dump that on there and you're like, oh my God, it's like a metal ball rolling around. But if you smash it with this hammer, it splatters all over the place. And now it's a million metal balls. <laughs> it's, it's metal, but it's also liquid. My brain is melting. Well, well, unfortunately... (laughs) Now your brain is literally melting. Mercury has been known to cause, among other things, it has been known to cause prostate cancer. Is that what he uh, died from? Frank Zappa died of prostate cancer in 1993. It is not 
unlikely that Frank Zappa's prolonged exposure to mercury as a child, and, and in fact, at least helped cause his eventual prostate cancer diagnosis. It definitely played a part. You don't play with mercury as a child, and then you I know, mean, he, that, that I mean, makes. He smoked like a chimney, but he didn't die of lung cancer. <laughs> the mercury got him first. Yeah, the mercury got him first, unfortunately. But he lived for about three years after his diagnosis. So, uh, Even leaving this leaving this earth way early, still made more music than damn near anyone else who's ever lived. He could theoretically still be alive right now. You know what kind he, of weird shit he'd be making he'd be 30 years later? He would he, still be making music. Yeah, Frank Zappa had a long, storied life and career. A short stint in jail. Pornography, weirdly enough, he went to jail for a little while because, oh no, he's, he's, he's distributing pornography. So he wasn't distributing pornography. There are a hundred thousand stories about Frank Zappa's life and times. I mean, look, if we wanted to do a dedicated episode to the life of Frank Zappa, we could do it. It would be very be long. Five-part miniseries. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe that, that will happen at some point, but it's not going to happen now. No. I mean, but he yeah, he did do jail time. I, I don't know if it was creation or, dis- or distribution of pornographic films, but he owned a studio. Uh, he actually bought it from somebody else, but he ended up calling it Studio Z. He, he wanted to make movies too, and that was one of his early ambitions. When he was working at Studio Z, a lot of the work that he'd created, the tapes he'd recorded, his old music, all of it was confiscated by the police when they raided his studio. A lot of it, he never got back. On top of that, the fact that he was in prison at all. I mean, he was literally charged, I think, with conspiracy to commit pornography and he didn't he, he literally had nothing to do with hilarious it. he was sentenced to six months in prison he ended up getting a suspended sentence but he still spent six days in prison this shit stuck with him obviously for the rest of his life and he developed what you would call a pretty serious anti-authoritarian stance <laughs> you and could say he does not give a shit about the man all that kind of came to a head with his uh his famous senate speech first of all i want to make it very clear i do not represent represent the RIAA, nor would they wish me to. These are my personal views. Uh, These are opinions. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a guy with a high school education. I did not go to high school in Maryland. I escaped. And uh, this this is working here. Hello, which one's working? This is censorship. Once again, that's an amazing thing. He ended up taking uh, his Senate testimony and turning it into an album. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he sold an album of his senate testimony which i own and have listened to called <laughs> and congress shall make no law it's, a, yeah. it's it's interesting as hell he's trying to show just how stupid these fucking people are with it this is during the pmrc hearings in the 1980s it's about censorship basically i mean that's one of the things that he railed against his entire life and during the PMRC hearings, a number of musical artists would testify on uh, Capitol Hill. And obviously, if you look now, there are explicit lyrics, labels. So technically, it wasn't a complete victory for the good guys. But it is but what it is. I think that was an important stand. Wasn't that the same one D. Snyder talked about? Yes, it was. And the cool thing about what D. Snyder did, Frank Zappa dressed in a suit and tie. He, yeah. made, he dressed for the occasion. He looked nice. D. Snyder, he was very eloquent. Since I seem to be the only person addressing this committee today who has been a direct target of accusations from the presumably responsible PMRC, I would like to use this occasion to speak on a more personal note and show just how unfair the whole concept of lyrical interpretation and judgment can be 
and how many times this can amount to little more than character assassination. Very eloquent. Both of them are very. And, but the thing about D. Snyder, yeah. he didn't he didn't dress in a suit and tie, and uh, he slid his hair, his long ass teased out hair. He didn't try to dress up for the occasion. He just this is him. This is D. Snyder. This is who I am. Fuck you. Let's talk about why you people are fucking wrong and stupid. That's one of the things that got me to really respect D. Snyder. I like Twisted Sister. Well, they're wonderful hair mill. He's very anti-fascist. I mean, just generally. He's he's one of those artists who's grown up. He's gotten old. He's not turned into a complete piece of shit. Thank you so much for not being an asshole, D. Snyder. I, I will still listen to your music and not cringe and hate myself. But we're not talking about D. Snyder. We're talking about oh. Frank Zappa. This is an episode about Frank Zappa, yes. But we're not we're not doing a Frank Zappa. Yeah, we're not this isn't this isn't a biography. We've decided instead we're going to try to distill the career of Frank Zappa into to what we consider his five perfect albums we have not discussed this beforehand so this could get contentious and we or we could have the same list we don't know i, I don't think we have the same list but no. we, may, we may have the same <laughs> list and this is not something we're going to leave open to a vote this is us we have to come to a consensus to on this. his on his five what we consider to be his five best albums your votes don't matter you can listen and complain if you want to complain trap will show you blogspot.com leave a comment tell us how wrong we are tell us we fucked up and didn't include your favorite album like ship too late to uh save a drowning witch or whatever the fuck well you know what I mean? <laughs> cars can crash all over the places and all the people with white shirts on I wanted to nominate it, but I figured, you know, uh, that's going to be the obvious choice. We're not going to do it. Ship arriving too late to save a drowning witch is not, I, I mean, I didn't nominate it. I'm pretty sure Kai didn't nominate it. Bongo Fury didn't get nominated either. The man with the woman head, Polynesian wallpaper made the face stand out. A mixture of Oriental and early vaudeville jazz poofter. Because that's a collaboration with Captain Beefheart and it's like half live, so it doesn't, it doesn't count. Yeah, no live albums or collaborations. Maybe the next one we'll do is only live or collaboration albums. I will say Bongo Fury is number five in my heart. It would be on my list somewhere for sure. Anyway, we have to get down to it. So we're just going to get into it. I think Kai can start. Well, first off, this is not ranked. This is just what we think are the five albums that best represent Frank Zappa. So Kai, what is your number five pick for uh, the Frank Zappa canon I think, oh my God. I don't know if this one will count. Does Uncle Meat count? Hello, Teenage America. My name is Susie Cream Cheese. <coughs> I'm Susie Cream Cheese because I've never worn fake eyelashes in my whole life, and I never made it on the surfing set, and I never made it in the beatnik set, and I couldn't cut the groupie set either. And, um, actually, I really fucked up in Europe. <coughs> now that I've done it all over, nobody else will accept me. I've come home to my mother's. I was going to nominate Uncle Meat, but I decided not to nominate Uncle Meat because it started out as a soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist. It's fucking weird. And I, I, think was, I love it. I was it, going to it, put Uncle Meat. That was my number I, one. A version of Uncle Meat does technically exist. It was not finished. And Uncle Meat, the album, began as a soundtrack to this movie. I'm very conflicted about it, but I, I ultimately said no because it started out as something else. It, it eventually grew into its own album but yeah i don't know i, I do, do you want to put it in at number five for both of us well see i don't know because i've got other shit going down well i don't know what your other ones are yeah okay let's put a pin in uncle meat we may get back to uncle meat <coughs> then uh does that mean joe's garage can't be in there i mean it's got to be in there right well, why wouldn't joe's garage be in there then let's fucking start with joe's garage why take your 
There was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the Dodge. It was a 54 with a mashed up door and a cheesy little amp. With a sign on the front said Fender Champ and a second hand guitar. It was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar. I mean, if you want to. I'm very hesitant to talk about Joe's Garage because it's so there's so much going on there that I feel like it, it definitely it earns its own episode. I, I, w- I would also agree with that. And that's why I just kind of wrote like two cliff notes about it. This weird ass rock opera concept album was the thing that got me into Zappa because you're like, you. I just remember one day you're like, you need to get into Zappa. Here, listen to this. I was like, fine. And then I listened to it and I was like, fuck, I need to get into Zappa. What else you got? And it went it went on from there. It's too fucking weird to not put on this list, I think. We could do a whole fucking episode just about this. I mean, the central scrutinizer needs to fucking be talked about. This is the central I hate the idea that we just mention Joe's Garage and move on, but I don't want to spend an hour talking about <laughs> but, it. But yeah, if we if we had started down that road, it'll it'll be an hour. We could do that in time. That would be fine. Dear listeners, if you but, want yeah. us to make an entire episode about Joe's Garage, <laughs> leave a comment at traposhow at blogspot.com. Well, no, dot blogspot.com. <laughs> Traposhow.blogspot.com and tell us that you think <laughs> or trapleshow.gmail.com either one anyways uh joe's garage is a weird fucking rock opera story about you know a band and also about uh government oversight and a bunch of other shit they criminalize music people end up fucking toasters and <laughs> whatever all kinds of weird shit happens there's catholic girls It's a way of life. You'll love it. It's a sprawling masterpiece. We don't need to spend any more time on it than that. We got however many albums to go through. Joe's Garage, it's the first album that's been placed in the Frank Zappa canon. Oh, he's I mean, got his own canon inside of the Trapo Essentials canon. Yeah, it's a canon within a canon. This is exciting. This is a wonderful thing we're doing. Now, I, I guess I'll, I'll go next. I have a something. I'm going to throw this out there. All right. It's, all a, right. it's, a, it's a little album that was released in 1968. Good old, good old Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. It's a little album called We're Only In It For The Money. I'm going to tell you the way it is and I'm not going to be Conceived as part of a project that was called No Commercial Potential, which is a great name. Yes. Uncle Mead is part of No Commercial Potential. I love We're Only In It For The Money because it's just so goddamn weird. (laughs) I mean, look, look, there's a song called Hot Poop. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It is some weird shit. It is fantastic. 
Some convention, almost conventional songs. There's some real avant-garde weird shit. This one's kind of a weird mix of like, I don't know, let's just make some shit and see if people buy it. I, I wonder how anybody would buy this shit. Why would anybody buy it? They're listening to the Beach Boys, the Beatles. We're only in it for the money comes along, which is specifically targeting the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. Kind of knockoff cover. Well, it's not just the cover. It's the music. It's poking fun at the whole free love movement, the spiritual revolution. There's a song absolutely free is a direct riff on Within You Without You from Sgt. Pepper's. The first word in this song is discorporate. It means to leave your body. Discorporate and come with me Try to realize it's all within yourself No one else can make you change Find your mind, there is no time To make your stamps and paste them in this corporate And we will Nasal retentive calliope music. Nasal retentive calliope music, and uh, my favorite track is the Chrome Plated Megaphone of Destiny. Those, those are the tracks that bookend side two of the original album. I think of, I always thought of side two as its own thing. Those were the songs that all caught my attention. Let's make the water turn black. It's fucking amazing. Ronnie saves his newbies on a window in his room, a marvel to be seen. Dysentery green, while Kenny and his buddies had a game out in the back. What's well, purely insane? It's about apparently it's that based on it's people like Frank Zappa knew growing up. Weird motherfuckers who are like fermenting raisins to an alcoholic beverage. Some guy kept pissing in jars and putting them in a shed. Frank Zappa swears that he saw tadpoles manifest in the jars of piss. You didn't do drugs? No, you're sober. All right. <laughs> I don't know. But What's also, the ugliest right. part of your body? But there's so much going on in Rolling in for the Money, music concrete, chopping up lyrics and then just rearranging them whatever style you choose like this is how it's supposed to be uh william burroughs popularized it with his work if you read naked lunch that was created with the concrete style him and all his beat poet friends they would just take words from newspapers and books and they would chop these sentences up and rearrange them in new exciting orders wait a minute this is poetry william burroughs especially looked at this style and saw it as a way of communing with the divine Frank Zappa would say, you're an idiot, if you said this to him. But William Burroughs definitely saw, this is like God talking through him. Between like God, religion, and just the general spiritualist movement, Frank Zappa was pretty militant atheist, which I think is kind of reductive in a way. He would belittle the Beatles when they went on their spiritual journey. He thought they were just off wasting their time. The Beatles didn't feel like they were wasting their time. Frank Zappa could belittle them from his point of view, but he didn't know what the fuck they were going through. Now, there's a lot I like about Frank Zappa, obviously, you know. There's also a lot of criticisms you can level with Frank Zappa. I used to be a pretty militant atheist, but I'm not a person who believes in God. 
or any gods for that. I don't believe in shit, but I I want to be nice to believe in something. Yeah, I don't dismiss beliefs. I'm not a big fan of religion, but I don't dismiss beliefs. Frank Zappa ridiculed. He yeah, he ridiculed belief systems to a certain degree. That's fine, but he would not just through his music, but through his uh, personal correspondence, he was very dismissive, and he would ridicule people for their belief systems and for just wanting to believe in an afterlife. He was one of those militant atheists that you would look at today and just tell him to turn it down a notch. You don't need to be such an asshole about this. I wonder if he would have softened as he got older or if he just would have become more of a hardliner. I don't know. And that's the problem. We, we don't know. And he died relatively young, so we'll never know. But I mean, his, his, his weird obsession, the way he targeted the culture of the time, especially in the late 1960s, listen to Who Needs the Peace Corps. The entire song is about a poser. Who needs the Peace Corps? I'm going to go hang out in San Francisco, be a junkie and a hippie. Look, if I get bored, I can go home to my upper middle class life and forget all about that. I will go to a house. That's, that's what I will do. I will go to a house where there's a rock and roll band because the groups all live together. And I will join a rock and roll band, I will be their road manager, and I will stay there with them, and I will get the crabs, but I won't care. I'll get crabs, but I won't care. I... <laughs> That's... Yeah, I'll get crabs, but I don't care. Because it doesn't matter, it's like a consequence-free environment. Yeah. I'll, I'll fuck around, I'll get high. When it gets weird, I can just go to college and I'll, I'll, I'll go be a CPA, it doesn't matter. I will love everyone, I will love the police as they kick the shit out of me on the street. They kick the shit out of me in the street. Yeah. I like the line, and I understand what he's doing in the song. It's one of those songs that you can look at from a modern lens and see his cynical viewpoint already shining through. It's 1968. People would comment about Frank Zappa and call him an equal opportunity offender. And I believe that's true for the most part, but he would target hippies and he would target the counterculture. I felt like there were times when he was trying to focus his energy on the wrong target. I agree. There, there were some albums and some of my favorite albums that weren't focused on anything. And there's some of the ones that seem to be focused on a particular social topic or theme some of them are pretty good but or some of the songs even specifically but uh especially being 50 years later maybe more in some cases sometimes it seems like totally different weird thing to be even arguing about i think out of all the albums well, out of any of the albums that I would nominate, this is the one that I struggle with. I think this is the one that I've gone back and forth with. I wouldn't have nominated this album if I didn't think it was great. But the way he continually targets hippies as though yeah. they were part of the problem and not part of the solution. I get it. I understand why he's doing this because he was never a hippie. He's a counterculture artist, but there are elements of the counterculture that he never grooved with. He never really wanted to associate He was almost the the straight core of his time because he was going to do what he was going to do and he was going to believe in what he was going to believe listen to his lyrics then tell me by the way this guy never did drugs he didn't do drugs no he was sober the whole time but he made this weird ass fucking music wow really yeah he hated drugs he wasn't a drinker he smoked like a fucking chuny yeah (laughs) but he did not do drugs but he also wasn't against the use of recreational drugs he was actually uh for the legalization and decriminalization of drugs which you wouldn't have expected necessarily as long as people do it in the privacy of their own home their actions don't endanger the lives of others fuck it if you can regulate it and balance the budget by taxing the shit fine this guy didn't do drugs no he didn't didn't do drugs he's the one who didn't he also did not like hippies there's some music on here that really it's not just funny it's not just 
entertaining. The song Mom and Dad in particular, it's a condemnation of the nuclear family. Those wonderful lyrics, it would take a minute just to show a real emotion in between the moisture cream and velvet facial lotion. The way it's delivered in the song, it's brutal and it's beautiful. It's not a joke. He's not trying to be funny in that music. Right. He's making a point. He's making a very cogent point. And he's not trying to couch it in satire. He's just coming right out and pointing the finger at you. You don't talk to your kids. You don't give a shit about your kids. They're just like an accessory to you. This is the way you saw the world. And unfortunately, especially, I mean, goddamn, if you look at the way the world's gone now, child pageantry is still a huge industry in this country. That's a sickness. I'm kind of glad Frank Zappa isn't alive now because this shit would have killed him. <laughs> The modern yeah. world would have killed Frank Zappa because he would have been so disgusted. His heart would have exploded like a fucking M80. Yeah, there would have been too much for him to uh, bitch about. Someone said they made some noise. The cops have shot some girls and boys. get into the censorship for we're only in it for the money and unfortunately there's such thing as a clean version of this album this is the thing that really pisses me off let's make the water turn black a masterpiece of a song it's disgusting it's fucking disgusting people who are utter degenerates i still remember mama with her apron and her pad feeding all the boys at its cafe that was censored in a later pressing because some dumb fuck thought frank zappa said i still remember mama in her apron and her pad was referring to a sanitary napkin think back to the first time you heard let's make the water turn black when you heard this song did you think that line referred to a maxi pad or to the notepad a waitress uses when she's writing down her customer's orders i wonder which one makes more sense and you're wondering why he testified in the senate the idea that the lyrics to a song are going to cause antisocial behavior as an exclusive cause of antisocial behavior, I think is not supportable by science. In spite of the fact that a psychiatrist just sat here and told you, uh, and I don't know where he gets this, that this exposure to this type of material will keep young people from thinking or impair their thinking process. It's a fascinating theory. It's pathetic. He's talking about maxi pads. Are you fucking joking? Can't talk about vagina like Prada. That's how bad the censorship got. When that censored version was released, he won an award. His album won an award he approached the dais and he said i'm not going to accept this award i think the people who censored my album did accept this award because that's the album you listen to and they're the ones who earned the award because this isn't my music now but yeah i would nominate we're only here for the money because overall i think the messages and i mean the powerful music like the actual structure of the music is wonderful well good because that's just loaded up and ready to go next all right we're gonna we're gonna forward in time a little bit to the 80s the 1980s jesus christ don't do this to me 
Uh, uh, what do you think it is? Fucking just tell me. Is it J- Jason Jism Trail? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about 1981's You Are What You Is. Do you know what you are? You are what you is. You is what you have. I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to put my foot down. No. Oh no, Kai. You don't like you are what you is. I like you, Kai. I do. We only got three albums we can put in here. Oh, that's true. If there's only three more altogether. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't no, really no, just, just... no. I was just going up my list of five, but if we're going in together, then there's like five more albums I'd rather have in. I'd rather have Weasels Rip My I would, Flesh. I would put theme from the third movement of Sinister Foot in the canon regardless, but I, I don't know about the album. I don't know. You're in my hall of fame. Well, I know. I might as well just go for the one that I know you will like. I'm going to go for the Grand Wazoo. This album was one of the first Zappa records I listened to. I was absolutely blown away by the fact that the title track, almost like 14 minutes long, there's no lyrics, and it's just freeform jazz. I didn't understand this shit, because the first time I heard Frank Zappa, really, I'm gonna get honest, was his compilation, Strictly Commercial. Like, where we lived, they didn't play Frank Zappa on the radio. You might no. hear Don't Eat the Yellow Snow, maybe. Only then, on call-in request night. And then, like, 1999, I saw a copy of Strictly Commercial at a used music store. I picked it up, I listened to it, just off chance, because it was a dollar. And I was blown away by this music. I could not fucking believe this shit. And I had no more. And this was during the era of Kazaa and Napster where you could just pirate whatever the fuck you wanted. And so I started like searching for Frank Zappa. What can I find? One of the first things that came to me was the Grand Wazoo. And the Grand Wazoo was an album. I just listened to the Grand Wazoo. It all bled together as one entity. This sounded nothing like what I'd heard on Strictly Commercial. It's something completely different. The title track's 13, 14 minutes long. The arrangement borders on chaos. What you would call the, uh, if you're a pretentious asshole, the untrained ear. It sounds like chaos. But if you actually understand Frank Zappa, it's not chaos at all there's a wonderful structure to it orchestrated madness yes and there's there's so much exuberance and creativity behind one track but beyond the actual title track it's everything else the grand wazoo as a project represents frank zappa's first real steps into big band music which is something he'd never really explored before and it's so moving to me in 1970 this is 1972 but in 1971 a whole bunch of horrible shit happened to frank zappa i mean you know you've heard smoke on the water so you know there was a casino in Montreal where uh some literally like it's in the sun Right? 
Frank Zappa and the Mothers lost all their equipment. They were playing there at the time. They lost everything. Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment was lost. At the end of 1971, they played a show in London. I think it was the uh, Rainbow Theater. They were using borrowed equipment. Some psycho who was upset with Frank Zappa because his girlfriend had a crush on Frank Zappa rushed the stage, pushed Frank Zappa into the empty orchestra pit during the performance. I wanna hold Thank you, and good night. Good night! Good night! Thank you. when he busted his head he busted everything everyone in the band thought he was dead they thought this motherfucker was dead he was so fucked up he had head trauma a crushed larynx which actually fucked him up for life people didn't know that it actually changed his uh vocal range he, he didn't have the vocal range he used to have after that he had so many bone fractures his arms and legs were fucked up he spent over six months in a wheelchair so during that period he recorded waka jawaka which i almost put on here too but I, I decided to restrain myself he recorded waka jawaka and the grand wazoo basically from the confines of a wheelchair because he couldn't tour and he couldn't play the guitar so he said fuck it i've always wanted to try my hand at big band music so let's get a whole bunch of session musicians in here let's see what we can do waka jawaka was the beginning the grand wazoo was him realizing his vision as a big band leader and he's doing all this from the confines of a wheelchair mind you i just think it's a fascinating piece of music now look if you don't want it, the Zappa can, that's okay. It's like the first real Zappa album I've listened to on its own. I think it's a masterpiece, but considering everything else that's out there, the other choices that we have, I won't make a big argument for the Grand Wazoo. I would like it in there, but if you don't want it in there, it's okay. At the end of 1972, this is just a little thing. He toured briefly. He did a few shows with a full band, and he named these shows the Grand Wazoo. And then he realized, wait, I want to do a longer tour, but I can't go on a longer tour with a 20-piece band. So he pared it down to a much smaller version, called it the Petit Wazoo. Which I think is just very funny, because he understood the inherent absurdity of the whole endeavor. And you know what? I just wanted to acknowledge that. The title track, which is probably would have been the first side of the album, pretty uh, fucking weird and chaotic. Interesting. Like you said, it's a weird jazz rock song. You can't tell me John Zorn's never heard the Grand Wazoo. I'll call you a fucking liar. John Zorn is the Grand Wazoo. Zappa makes a bunch of other references to the Grand Wazoo in uh, some of his other music. Even if it maybe it was just a rhyme, because he needed a rhyme. That's one of the things I like about Zappa, is that a lot of his music, you're like, wait a minute, is this all connected? Like, if he wanted to be, sure. Yeah, it could be. So yeah, fine, what's next? Because I want to hear what you got next, and then we can, well, we can figure this shit out. I gotta put one size fits all in there. <laughs> I don't know. This is one of the ones that never really... I mean, there's some good stuff in there. I'm not going to complain. I don't know. I really like it, but I don't know. Tell me about this. Tell me what you think about it. The first song, Inca Roads, goes on like a weird guitar journey for like eight minutes. Evelyn, a modified dog, is a pretty good song title. It's a great title. The, the song itself is... 
song is very good. Evelyn, a dog, having undergone further modification, pondered the significance of short person behavior in pedal depressed, panchromatic resonance, and other highly ambient domains. Arf, she said. Don't sell it short. You, you only nominated it. Don't say it's fine. I'm the one who's on the fence about it. I'm trying to defend this shit. Inca Rhodes and San Bernardino are two of my favorite songs. You mean Is San Bernardino? Berdino. San Berdino. You're trying to fucking push one size fits all over the Grand Wazoo. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do that. You might as well see what's next. And then maybe we can make a choice. Because this is this is not a thing we're going to put up to a vote. We can't put this up to a vote. This is us. My next pick is uh, 1973's Overnight Sensation. She said she was a magic mama And she could throw a mean tarot and carried on without a comma That she was someone I should know Because I think it's uh, just the absolute fucking best. I really do. You got Kim Rio Brio. It's so fucking brilliant to begin with. Those lyrics veer into the grotesque. Yeah. They describe this intimate encounter with, I would say, a truly deranged person. There's something going on in that song that I think is just great. And then we get to Iron the Slime. <laughs> close to mainstream as Zappa could get which is kind of amusing if you really think about it because if you pay attention to the lyrics of Overnight Sensation but I say that but Apostrophe was a huge hit I don't get that at all that was like I don't know number five or six on my list Overnight Sensation is good I Am The Slime became a pretty big hit Uh, you know obviously this song is a very pointed satire it's looking at the idea of using television as a means to brainwash the masses for Overnight Sensation Ike Turner I think we may have talked about this before but Ike Turner had a group of uh, female backup singers called the Ikeettes Tina Turner would sing with the Ikeettes at times somebody recommended to Frank Zappa hey you need female backup singers for your album how about the Ikeettes and so Frank Zappa hired them you can hear them singing on on numerous songs in the album including I Am The Slime. And at some point, Tina Turner invited Ike Turner to the studio to listen to some of the mixes for Overnight Sensation. I guess Ike Turner heard an early mix of Montana and was so confused and disgusted by the music he heard that he literally exclaimed, What is this shit? Told Frank Zappa that he could not credit the Ikeettes on his album because he did not want to be associated with this garbage music. (laughs) Ike Turner was so disgusted with this music that he insisted Frank Zappa, after paying their fee, not credit them because he did not want the good name of Ike Turner to be associated with uh, Frank Zappa and his degenerate music. I just find that incredibly funny. But I just really like the album overall. I think Dynamo Hum is fucking deranged. I don't understand why this song exists if I really want to break it down. But it's a song about a guy who, a woman named Dynamo Hum says, Hey, I bet you 40 bucks you can't make me. <laughs> and he's like, I'll take that bet. And so he gives her sister the 40 bucks, tries so hard to make her. She can't do it. And he gets pissed off. He gets frustrated. And then he bangs her sister right in front of Dynamo. And that's what gets her off. That was the key 
I don't know what the fuck is going on there, but I think it's amazing. So I pulled on her hair, got her legs in the air, and asked if she had any cooties in there. She was buns up kneeling. I was wheeling and dealing. She surrendered to the feeling. Started in the squealing. I'm not gonna talk about that. But no, this there's one lyric that I fixated on that I can't get out of my head. Do you think I could interest you in a pair of zircon encrusted tweezers? <laughs> and then the song Montana goes off the fucking deep end and, and, and the tweezers come up again. With a pair of heavy duty zircon encrusted tweezers in my hand. Every other wrangler would say I was mighty grand. The whole song is so goddamn weird. He's literally got a farm dental floss in Montana. And he's talking about he's got this horse. He's got a little horse, like a miniature horse, like a little baby horse. But then the goddamn tweezers come back into play in that song while Zappa's singing about his tiny horse. The zircon encrusted tweezers. We're still talking about these fucking tweezers. With my tweezers gleaming in the moonlight and night. I love the fixation on the tweezers. I don't get it, but I love it. You're in Montana as some kind of lonely rancher growing dental floss with a miniature pony. I feel like I'm trying to decipher some kind of puzzle, but I can't quite. Like all the pieces aren't there. I think everything over on this album is a banger. I've I've never listened to this album and been like, you know what? I'm disappointed. We, we can argue about this, but Dirty Love, Zombie Wolf, Montana, 50-50. I think this is a fucking all-timer. Whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't need to justify this. Overnight sensation, you said. Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's 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 not fine. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what your definition of fine is. If overnight sensation is your definition of fine, then you are in need of some recalibration. Fine is not something usually used to describe a Zappa album. Usually it's either like it or you can't stand it. What should we do next? I don't know what we do next because I got I got one, one more album that I know I think should be in the canon. You need to go next yeah. anyway, so. Does Weasels Rip My Flesh count? I guess I'll Why wouldn't it count? I don't know. There's a couple of live songs on there. Yeah, but, but it's not a live album. It's not. Yeah, it's they're just like bookends. That's kind of 1970s weasels ripped my flesh. One of the first things that always jumped out about this album is the uh, fucking song titles. Did you get any on ya? Prelude to the afternoon of a sexually aroused gas mask. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that one. And I mean, those are all good songs. Toads of the Short Forest, great fucking song. At this very moment on the stage. It's got my guitar wants to kill your mama on it. And and yeah, most importantly. My guitar wants to kill your mama. My favorite track name is Dwarf Nebula for Social March.
that could be the worst song ever composed. But the title alone, Dwarf Nebula Processional March. You know what? You win. I don't know what that is, but I want to find out. Guess what? Weasel's Ripped My Flesh is in there. It's It happened. Oh, shit. Oh, no, I don't believe it. It happened. Good. What was the name of that one track? The Eric Dolphy Memorial Barbecue? Memorial Barbecue, yeah. What a great name. That's one of the things I love about Frank Zappa. If you look at the track names, like the names of the songs on his albums, where the fuck do you come up with this? Yeah, there's no um random name generators in 1968. I look okay. I'll just get on with it. I got one more album that I wanted to nominate. It's 1967's Absolutely Free. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, fellow Americans. He's been sick. And I think his wife is going to bring him some chicken soup. I think it's a fucking trip. Look, it has no kind of destination, and I think that's what's great about it. The album was recorded in two parts. Side one is called Absolutely Free, and the second part is called The MOI American Pageant. They're designed to be listened to independently. There's just something I find infectiously entertaining about Absolutely Free. It's hard to describe. This was their second album together? Yeah, I don't know if I would nominate Freak Out for anything. I think it's great, but I think it feels unformed. It's like completely absolutely free feels strong it has a strong through line which freak out doesn't every frank zappa album has some level of randomness to it even the most cohesive things are (laughs) fucking weird and don't make any sense at times yes but freak out in particular being their first album of the mothers of invention feels more unfocused whereas absolutely free is more targeted there's this great one-two punch of the Duke of Prunes and the Duke regains his chops. This bizarre obsession with vegetables and prunes in particular throughout the album. Frank Zappa croons the, the words, A moonbeam through the prune in June reveals your chest. I see your lovely beans. And in that magic go kart, I bite your neck. The cheese I have for you. Does that mean? Listen to a song about vegetables. They're real good for you. They keep you regular. Call any vegetable. Change the good. A vegetable will respond to you. <laughs> Call carrot. See what they have back. to say. I think absolutely free. Considering how early this is in Frank Zappa's career. It says a lot, especially in 1967, if you're trying to put something out that you want the mainstream to embrace. This is not the way you do it. Frank Zappa was a very dyed-in-the-wool capitalist. He believed in earning a buck. But the man also made some of the weirdest goddamn music you'll ever hear. With me, there were always some kind of weird conflicts with Zappa. Like, he's selling his music, but he's almost anti-capitalist. Well, maybe not anti-capitalist, but he's anti-everything except what's making him money (laughs) in some ways. At some point, it almost seemed like he had beef about fucking everything. But also, he was making money off all of it, which is a whole weird, multi-layered situation. Absolutely free. It's not free. It costs money, but uh, it's a 
great album. This guy stuck to his guns and made the music he wanted to make through his entire career, up until his fucking death. He made so much music that his family is still releasing stuff no one's ever heard before. So Kai, what's the last album you've got to throw my way before well, we wrap this shit up? It might be my favorite Zappa album, maybe a basic bitch choice, but it's 1976 Zoot Allures. I light from a window hole a hundred yards away. I think one of the reasons I especially enjoy this has to do with a lot of the um, Hendrix-esque wailing guitar riffs seem extra prominent through this. There's all kinds of other weird shit going on here. Black Napkins is fucking amazing. torture never stops knives and spikes and guns and the like every tool of pain and a sinister midget with a bucket and a mop and the blood goes down the drain this shit is hard to beat for me this is a song called miss pinky name black napkins is an all-timer for me this one pops up on a lot of top 10 zappa albums because i think it's more accessible than some of them it's a little it's not extreme on the weird or political zappa spectrum that's true it's not necessarily as deliberately bizarre as some of his other music also weirdly enough i believe this is the only album that was actually released by warner brothers records he was involved in a lawsuit with his old manager for whatever reason this is the only album zappa released to warner brothers i just mentioned it I know this is not a Zappa retrospective, so calm the fuck down. Zoot Lures has uh, just been in my head, kept coming back to it lately. Oh, it's music that everybody should like. Some people don't. Fucking idiots. I used to be one of them, but not anymore. I used to be one of them. Fucking cretins. When I was like 15. <laughs> Zoot Lures by Frank Zappa. Black Napkins by Frank Zappa. The best song ever made called Black Napkins. I'm mean, pretty safe when I say I think it's the best song ever made called Black Napkins. I think I'm pretty secure there. Pretty sure. I don't know. What's in the canon, by the way? Joe's Garage is in the canon. We're only in it for the money. And Weasel's Ripped My Flesh. And I've put out absolutely free and overnight sensation. The Grand Wazoo that you put out. One size fits all. We're at an impasse because we have two slots left. I'm going to throw out something. I want you to open your mind. Quato would tell Quaid in Total Recall. Oh, I'm just, spread wide. What if all this shit goes in the canon? Because it all belongs in the canon. This top five shit? goes right out the fucking window all of it goes in the canon i don't even fucking care yeah. anymore. I'm, i mean i'm fine with all of the albums we've talked about being in the canon to be honest no no i mean all of it <laughs> all of it <laughs> all of it zap is in the canon we loaded talking, it we dug no, his I mean, corpse up everything frank zappa released before he died in 1993 i think maybe it should go in the canon i think frank zappa's career his work should go in the canon <laughs> i mean look we did we put the beatles stuff in we put Led zeppelin in that's not a lot of music if you really break it down frank zappa made more music than 
a lot of people would listen to it in live times. Everything he put out, it had his stamp of approval until 1993 when he met his unfortunate end thanks to the uh, grim specter of prostate cancer. <laughs> the grim specter of mercury. Well, I mean, mercury probably had its uh, filthy hand in that, poisoning in that un- untimely demise, yes. I don't want to beat her on the bush. And look, we may do a Frank Zappa retrospective at some point in the future. It, it may be worth our time to break down Frank Zappa's career. But what I'm proposing right now is that we put Frank Zappa's musical career into the canon. I don't like hot rats. You really have to make compromises, Kai. If it has to be an all or nothing proposition, I think I can live with hot rats being in the canon. I'm trying to be bold, okay? We're not bold enough, I don't think, when we're doing Trapo. I think this is something that listeners will not respond to. But I respond to it. You know what? Fuck it. Zappa's in the canon. Frank Zappa is in the canon. Is that a real poncho? I mean, is that a Mexican poncho or is that a Sears poncho? Hmm. No fooling. This was something that came out very organically when I realized that Overnight Sensation probably wasn't going to make it into canon. So I was like, I gotta, I'm going to hit the panic button. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is, this was not planned. But while we were literally having this conversation, I'm thinking, hey, there's so much good music that frank zappa has made so much music in his canon we need more than five so let's just do it all we might (laughs) i think that was the point you might as well just do it all yes if we're gonna break the five limit and go to six might as well just go all the fucking way dear listener this was not a trick this was a treat and it's not even halloween so uh you're welcome frank zappa he's not only in the trapola essentials canon he's his own canon in the canon all that's left to say we just had a frank zappa conversation and we would like you to join that Frank Zappa conversation. Look, if you think you can make sense of this, feel free. Visit the official Trapple blog. That's trappleshow.blogspot.com and uh, leave us a comment on the post of your choosing. Tell us what you think about Frank Zappa, how much Frank Zappa has enriched your life. And if he hasn't, then just don't leave a comment. Shut the fuck up. But uh, tell us what you think. You know what? At this point, tell us whatever. Yeah, whatever. If you don't have anything to say about Frank Zappa, tell us about anything else. We don't care anymore. Did you read a book you liked? Did you have like an awesome lunch the other day that really uh, enriched your life? Did you creepy? That's heavy, Kai. Wait, I don't need that way. Don't don't tell us about that. And Send us an email private. for that. Trapo show at gmail You watched a movie and you laughed till you like pissed yourself because it was that funny. I want to read that. I want I want frivolity. Kai. Trapo is not a therapist. We are not licensed. But we'll uh, we'll listen. We may give you terrible advice. <laughs> but never mind. Guess what, dear listener? Thank you so much for commenting. Thank you so much for not sending emails. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I may not even release this episode because it may not be editable, I guess. Is that a word, editable? We may it not is be able tonight. To edit this. <laughs> yeah, we may not be able to edit this. I'm so sorry for wasting your time. Also, if you yeah. don't like Frank Zappa, fuck you. It wasn't a waste of your time. You were a waste of our time. There's nothing really left to say. Don't delete you. yourself. No, no, no. That's that's bad. Don't do no, that. Sh- no, don't do that. Just tell them to get the fuck off the internet. That's good, yeah, I think. Just get the fuck off the internet. Travelers of
some lady run through an airport and hug a giant crunch wrap, and then it just said Tums. I was like, that's weird. That's avant-garde what that is. Shit is going down <laughs> in this airport. I, I feel like I just hallucinated this commercial. I was like, no, it's like a six-foot crunch wrap. What the fuck just happened? 